0: Welcome to the second micro-episode of Season 2 of the Dead Serial Podcast. I'm your host, LJ. The fall equinox has come. October's here. The Halloween decorations are up. There's a thunderstorm brewing on the outside. And on tonight's micro-episode, I'm really excited to share a portion of the mindscape of Alan Moore. Alan Moore's been mentioned throughout the first two seasons of the podcast. If you're unfamiliar with him... He's responsible for the graphic novels *V for Vendetta* and *The Watchmen*. Uh, he also did a very interesting series for *Swamp Thing*. I highly recommend you check out those works if you haven't already, or if you have, revisit them. Check them out. Uh, but this in particular piece of work, *The Mindscape of Alan Moore*, was distributed by Shadow Snake Films. October twenty-fourth, two thousand three, was its release date. Uh, music by Drew Richards, which I left intact mainly because I don't know how to edit it out. And I think I picked a fitting portion of this documentary or interview, if you will, to share with you in the month of October. I hope you give it a listen from beginning to end. It's about 20 minutes long. I will have a short outro. Thanks for tuning in. On my
1: 40th birthday, rather than merely bore my friends by having anything as mundane as a midlife crisis, I decided it might be more interesting to actually terrify them by going completely mad and declaring myself to be a magician. This had been something that had been coming for a while. It seemed to be a logical end step in my career as a writer. And the problem is that with magic, being in many respects a science of language, you have to be very careful what you say. Because if you suddenly declare yourself to be a magician, without any knowledge of what that entails, then one day you are likely to wake up and to discover that that is exactly what you are. There is some confusion as to what magic actually is. I think that this can be cleared up if you just look at the very earliest descriptions of magic. Magic, in its earliest form, is often referred to as the art. I believe that this is completely literal. I believe that magic is art and that art, whether that be writing, music, sculpture or any other form, is literally magic. Art is, like magic, the science of manipulating symbols, words or images, to achieve changes in consciousness. The very language of magic seems to be talking as much about writing or art as it is about supernatural events. A grimoire, for example, the Book of Spells, is simply a fancy way of saying grammar. Indeed, to cast a spell is simply to spell, to manipulate words, to change people's consciousness. And I believe that this is why an artist or writer is the closest thing in the contemporary world that you are likely to see to a shaman. I believe that all culture must have arisen from cult. Originally, all of the facets of our culture, whether they be in the arts or the sciences, were the province of the shaman. The... The fact that in present times this magical power has degenerated to the level of cheap entertainment and manipulation is, I think, a tragedy. At the moment, the people who are using shamanism and magic to shape our culture are advertisers. Rather than trying to wake people up, their shamanism is used as an opiate to tranquilize people, to make people more manipulable. Their magic box of television, and by their magic words, their jingles, can cause everybody in the country to be thinking the same words and have the same banal thoughts all at exactly the same moment. In all of magic there is an incredibly large linguistic component. The bardic tradition of magic would place a bard as being much higher and more fearsome than a magician. A magician might curse you, that might make your hens lay funny or you might have a child born with a club foot. If a bard were to place not a curse upon you, but a satire, then that could destroy you. If it was a clever satire, it might not just destroy you in the eyes of your associates. It would destroy you in the eyes of your family. It would destroy you in your own eyes. And if it was a finely worded and clever satire that might survive and be remembered for decades, even centuries, then years after you were dead, people still might be reading it and laughing at you and your wretchedness and your absurdity. Reuters and people who had command of words were respected and feared as people who manipulated magic. In latter times, I think that artists and writers have allowed themselves to be sold down the river. They have accepted the prevailing belief that art and writing are merely forms of entertainment. They're not seen as transformative forces that can change a human being, that can change a society. They are seen as simple entertainment Things with which we can fill 20 minutes, half an hour, while we're waiting to die. It is not the job of artists to give the audience what the audience want. If the audience knew what they needed, then they wouldn't be the audience, they would be the artists. It is the job of artists to give the audience what they need. My career as a magician continues to evolve, since I to a certain degree believe art and magic to be interchangeable, it has seemed only natural that art should be the means by which I express magical ideas. This has found its way into my prose writing in works such as Voice of the Fire and uh, probably most visibly has found its way into the performance pieces that i've done at various locations over the past eight years beautiful little psychedelic artifacts in their own right which actually capture the kind of narrative journey that we've tried to take the readers on as part of these performances to overwhelm the sensibilities of the audience, to tip them over into a kind of psychedelic state where we can hopefully actually change their consciousness and direct it to different places, different levels, hopefully into new and hopefully magical spaces. When we are doing the will of our true self, we are inevitably doing the will of the universe. In magic, these are seen as indistinguishable. That every human soul is in fact one human soul. It is the soul of the universe itself. And as long as you are doing the will of the universe, then it is impossible to do anything wrong. The one place in which gods and demons inarguably exist is in the human mind, where they are real in all their grandeur and monstrosity. Much of magic, as I understand it, in the Western occult tradition is the search for the self with a capital S. This is understood as being the great work, as being the gold of the alchemist's sort, as being the will, the soul, the thing that we have inside us that is behind the intellect, the body, the dreams. The inner dynamo of us, if you like. Now, This is the single most important thing that we can ever attain, the knowledge of our own self. And yet there are a frightening amount of people who seem to have the urge not just to ignore the self, but actually seem to have the urge to obliterate themselves. This is horrific but you can almost understand the desire to simply wipe out that awareness because it's too much of a responsibility to actually possess such a thing as a soul, such a precious thing. What if you break it? What if you lose it? Mightn't it be best to anaesthetise it, to deaden it, to destroy it, to not have to live with the pain of struggling towards it and trying to keep it pure? I think that the way that people immerse themselves in alcohol, in drugs, in television, in any of the addictions that our culture throws up can be seen as a deliberate attempt to destroy any connection between themselves, and the responsibility of accepting and owning a higher self and then having to maintain it as any other piece of fiction i've been looking at the kind of the history of magical thinking and where it starts to go wrong and for more money where it starts to go wrong is monotheism I mean, if you look at the history of magic, you've got its origins in the caves. You've got its origins in shamanism, in animism, in a belief that everything around you, every tree, every rock, every animal, was inhabited by some sort of essence, some sort of spirit that could perhaps be communicated with. You would have had some central shaman or visionary who would have been responsible for channeling ideas that were useful to survival. By the time you reach the classical civilizations, you can see that this has formalized to a degree. The shaman was acting purely as an intermediary between the spirits and people. He was in his position in the village or community, I should imagine, very much like a spiritual plumber. You know, the people in the group would have had their own roles. The person who was best at hunting would have been a hunter. The person who was best at talking to the spirits, perhaps because he or she was a bit crazy, a bit detached from normal material world, then they would have been the shaman. And they would not have been masters of a secret craft. They would have simply been dispensing their information throughout the community because it was believed to be helpful to the community. When you get the actual classical cultures emerging, this has been formalized so that you've now got pantheons of gods. And each of those gods will have a priest caste that will act to a certain degree as intermediaries who will instruct you in the worship of that god. So the relationship between humans and their gods which could be seen as the relationship between humans and their highest selves that was still a very direct one when Christianity comes in when monotheism comes in then all of a sudden you've got a priest caste moving between the worshipper and the object of worship you've got a priest caste becoming a kind of spiritual middle management between humanity and the divine within itself that it is seeking. You no longer have a direct relationship with the Godhead. The priests don't really necessarily have a relationship with the Godhead. They've just got a book that tells you about some people who lived a long time ago who did have a direct relationship with the Godhead. And that's all right. You don't need to have miraculous visions you don't need to have gods talking to you in fact if you do have any of that stuff you're probably insane you know in the modern world that stuff doesn't happen the only people who are allowed to talk to gods and in a very kind of one-sided way are priests monotheism is to me a great simplification I mean, the Kabbalah has a great multiplicity of gods, but at the very top of the Kabbalistic diagram, the Tree of Life, you have this one sphere that is absolute god. The Monad, something that is indivisible, you know? And all of the other gods, and indeed everything else in the universe, is a kind of emanation of that god. Now, that's fine. But it's when you suggest that there is only that one God at this kind of unreachable height above humanity and there is nothing in between, you're limiting and simplifying the thing. I mean, I tend to think of paganism as a kind of, as an alphabet, as a language. It's like all of the gods are are letters in that language. They express nuances, shades of sort of meaning or certain subtleties of ideas. Whereas monotheism, it tends to be just one vowel and it's just something like, Ooh, it's this monkey sound. You can almost imagine the gods becoming frustrated, contemptuous, that with all this richness of spiritual concepts that are available. Why reduce it to one plaintive, single note that the utterer does not even understand? The alchemists had two components to their philosophy. These were the principles of Solvay and Coagula. Solvay was basically the equivalent of analysis. It was taking things apart to see how they worked. Coagula was basically synthesis. It was trying to put the disassembled pieces back together so that they worked more efficiently. Um, these are two very important principles which can be applied to almost anything in culture. Um, there has recently, in literature, for example, been a wave of postmodernism, deconstructionism. This is Solvay. Uh, perhaps it is time in the arts for a little more coagula. Having deconstructed everything, perhaps we really should be starting to think about putting everything back together. Spiritualism was the natural state of human thinking up until the Renaissance and the subsequent Age of Reason that grew out of it. Um, Our original way of seeing the world was as a place entirely inhabited by spirits where everything had its indwelling essence, where everything was in some sense sacred, including ourselves. The Age of Reason changed all that. While it's inarguable that reason brought many great benefits and was a very necessary stage of our development, unfortunately this led to materialism, where the physical material world was seen as the be-all and end-all of existence, where inevitably we were seen as creatures that had no spiritual dimension, that had no souls, living in a soulless universe of dead matter.
0: And that's a small portion of the Mindscape of Alan Moore. This is a very well done documentary. Great direction and editing. I'm actually pleased I was unable to pull the music and sound effects out because I feel that it adds to the tone. Hopefully it engages your mind's eye and helped you kind of build an atmosphere while he was talking about his perspective on being a magician and using magic and how it's used throughout our our modern times. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. I do look forward to sitting down with Heather Caston, who was a victim's advocate for the Salt Lake City Police Department. She was also the first guest on my first episode of the podcast. Feel free to go back and check that out. I do want to give a quick shout-out to Tommy Green and Run Against Traffic. This is an organization they run to rescue, rehabilitate, and restore those affected by human trafficking in our world. Right now, Tom is running through the entire state of Utah to bring awareness to this issue. Please check him out on Instagram at Run Against Traffic. You can check out Tom's interview with my brother, Jason Woodland, on his podcast, Always to Journey, at alwaystojourney.com on the interwebs. Please check both these guys out, see what they're up to. We'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in.